0: so much for tuning in to weird distractions podcast this is a weekly show where i your host alex rotate discussing true crime cases paranormal hotspots, eerie folklore tales urban legends and sometimes conspiracy theories to provide you and more than likely what the creators of pablum may have considered a weird distraction from everyday life This week, I decided to keep things somewhat local to me and discuss a reportedly haunted Canadian location. But before we get into that, I do have a little bit of housekeeping, like just a smidge, and I need to tell you what I need a distraction from this week. As always, if you want to hear your reason for a distraction on an upcoming episode, please feel free to shoot me a DM or send me an email at at Outlook.com. In terms of housekeeping this week, just a gentle reminder that midweek mini spooks are back in action. The first one came out last Wednesday, and there's three more to tune into. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. My need for a distraction this week is... I need a distraction from people asking me to do things. And this is going to sound maybe a bit whiny. Alas, that is me. But I'm getting distracted from doing the podcast because people keep asking me to do things and I appreciate it. And I'm so thankful that I have the opportunity to be asked out for dinner or asked out to hang out with friends. But it's getting in the way of me being able not only to do the podcast, but to do stuff around the house and just take care of myself. So I need a distraction from being distracted from the things I want to do. Does that make sense? I don't know if it makes sense. It makes sense in my head. I know if my former therapist was listening, she would tell me I just need to set better boundaries and feel okay with saying no, but the people pleaser in me is still alive and well. So there's that. Anyways, with that out of the way, let's just get into this week's episode. I've been wanting to cover this haunted Canadian hotspot for quite some time, and so I'm super excited to discuss the history, occult observations, and haunts of Toronto's Casa Loma. Not only is Casa Loma known as a Canadian historical landmark, but it also has some weird and arguably cool stuff going on. Due to potential coarse language, distressing topics, and other disturbing adult themes that could be discussed today, Listener discretion is advised. Located at 1 Austin Terrace in Toronto, Ontario, sits the Gothic Revival castle-style mansion known as Castleoma. Before we learn more on what lays behind the building's beautiful front doors, we should probably learn about who was behind the creation of this place. Introducing Sir Henry Pellet, a fellow Capricorn born on January 6 of 1859. Born in Kingston, Ontario, Henry became an investor, soldier, and overall a prominent figure in Canadian history. Henry would eventually leave Kingston with his family and attend the Model Grammar School, followed by the Upper Canada College Boarding School in Toronto. I'm not sure if this was the first time Henry went to Toronto or not, But I wonder if, it was the first time, if he fell in love with the city at this point. After Henry graduated school, he joined his father's stockbroking business before eventually co-founding the Toronto Electric Light Company in the 1880s. This business venture would help secure the first contract to bring modern light to Toronto streets. Henry brought light to the city, and in return, he became quite wealthy. Who knew he would have a bright future ahead of him? Although there was a clear love for the city of Toronto, Henry also admired something else, European castles. Henry had his fair share of time overseas in Europe, with reports claiming he went over there quite often as a teen. Now an adult with wads of cash, Henry was able to make his European castle dreams come true in Toronto. Henry secured 25 acres to build said dreams in 1903, but construction didn't begin until 1911. According to online resources, the house would cost about $3.5 million and took 299 workers three years to build. I wonder if they just didn't hire one more worker because they were trying to save costs. Like, why would you only have 299? Why not just make it 300 workers? The first buildings on the property included stables, a potting shed, and a two-story hunting lodge, also referred to as the coach house, which were placed a few hundred feet north of where the main building would be. After the completion of these fine establishments, it came time to the main course, Casa Loma herself. Ninety-eight rooms would fill the 64,700 square footage of the building, making it once the largest private residence in Canada. For those curious cats like me who want to know what is the current largest, according to the Talking Walls Photography website, it's the Haleybury House, aka the Peter Grant Mansion, which sits abandoned along the shores of Lake Temiskaming in northern Ontario. But let's get back to Loma here. Some of the building's most notable amenities would include an elevator, an oven large enough to cook an ox, which don't ask me how big it is because I don't even want to know how big it is. Can you imagine cleaning that thing? Ugh as well as two vertical passages for pipe organs, a central vacuum, two secret passages in Henry's ground floor office, which clearly are no longer a secret anymore, a pool, and three bowling lanes in the basement, which Wikipedia notes the last two were never really completed. Once most of the building was done, Henry would reportedly refer to the property as Casaloma, loosely meaning Hill House in Spanish based on what I saw online. Casa Loma had it all. It was fabulous, extravagant. It was the bee's knees, if you will. But it was pricey, as already mentioned. Jumping to the 1920s, aka everyone's not so favorite era, being the Great Depression. Henry began struggling to keep up with the day-to-day bills of maintaining this massive house. In a direct quote from the Casa Loma Wikipedia page to elaborate further, quote, During the Depression that followed the war, the city of Toronto increased Casa Loma's property taxes from $600 a year to $1,000 a month, and Henry, already experiencing financial difficulties, auctioned off $1.5 million in art and $250,000 in furnishings. Henry was able to enjoy life in the mansion for less than 10 years, leaving in 1923, end quote. I can't imagine leaving Castloma Loma was an easy decision for Henry, especially given everything he put into the home and his long desire to have his very own castle since he was a teen. Henry and his family would move to a farm property that they already had in King Township, which is now part of the Greater Toronto Area, or the GTA. So, Henry was still kind of close to Casa Loma, but he was no longer calling it his home. Henry would pass away on March 8th of 1939. He was 80 years old, had been married twice, and had one son named Reginald. Henry would be remembered for many things in his life, but there would forever be one physical reminder, being Casa Loma. After Henry left, architect William Sparling put forward a proposal to convert the Casa Loma house to a Toronto luxury hotel, being the Casa Loma Hotel. The proposal was granted and the hotel functioned from 1926 to 1929. The Casa Loma website has stated that Sparling began the process of completing the Great Hall and the Billard Room, which were areas that Henry had never been able to finish. Sparling also had put plans to add two large wings to the east and the west sections of the main building that would each contain 96 full suites and 56 rooms. Sadly, the plans for the wings would never take flight. In 1929, the City of Toronto took ownership of the property for the $27,303.45 owed in back taxes. When the city took over, there were so many ideas pitched for the future of Loma, such as turning it into a high school, a museum, or an art gallery for visitors to Toronto. There is also the idea of a war veterans' convalence home, along with a permanent residence for the Dionne quintuplets. The Dion Quintuplets, which I have never heard of until I was doing research into Castle Loma, are the first quintuplets known to have survived their infancy, and they were born in central Ontario, Calander to be specific. Needless to say, Castle Loma had a bunch of possibilities on the table for its future, and yet none of them would actually make it past the discussion table. It wasn't until the Kiwanis Club of West Toronto showed up and showed out by operating Casaloma as a tourist attraction in 1937. This agreement between the Kiwanis and the city would continue until 2011. By August of that year, the new Casaloma Corporation was formed, and the property continues to serve as a tourist attraction to this very day. Casa Loma seems to offer a wide range of things to do on the property other than just tour the grounds. For example, you can book spaces to have your wedding or maybe just another special event. There is also on-site dining at the Blue Blood Steakhouse, which sounds uber fancy. Casa Loma is also a popular spot for TV shows, movies, and music videos to be filmed at, including for works such as Goosebumps, X-Men, Crimson Peak, and others. For those tuning in who are into the oogie spooky, which I'm assuming is most of you, every October the grounds of Castelloma transform into a haunted theatrical experience called Legends of Horror. Based on the Castelloma website, Legends of Horror is quote done in the presentational form considered promenade theater, in which the audience walks at their own pace through a two kilometer trail commencing in the lower gardens of Castelloma and winding its way through the castle's tunnels. And darkest spaces never before open to the public. End quote. Speaking of spooky experiences, let's just get into some occult observations and then finally, let's dive into some paranormal reports. Welcome to another segment of Occult Observations. This is a mini thing I like to do where I read the good, the bad, and the downright weird online reviews, or what I call occult observations, of the locations being discussed. The name occult observations, fun fact, actually was created by my friend Linz, who hosts the show Yield Crime. As always, I'll read two negative and two positive occult observations, starting off with the negative ones so that we can end things on a positive note. The first negative observation comes from user Tandem, and this was found on Google Reviews. They left one out of five stars. Their observation reads as follows. Very below average as compared to castles and palaces throughout Europe. It's very basic. No royal interiors or architecture. No particular history. Just 100 years old. Not worth the spend at all. End of observation. The next one is from user Charge. They left this on Google reviews and they left a one out of five star rating. The observation reads as follows. You can't touch anything. It's like $40 to $50 per person and like $15 to $20 for parking. Find something else to do. Seriously. Heard so many people say how boring it was. My kid asked to go home literally. End of observation. It sounds like both Tandem and Charge would be better off at Canada's Wonderland, or something that maybe isn't history-related. If you don't like learning about history, don't occupy the space of historical places. Just saying. Now let's get into some of the positive observations. The first one is from user Garrett. I found this on Google Reviews, and Garrett left 5 out of 5 stars. The observation reads as follows. Super cool location, last stop during our Toronto trip, well worth a visit. Didn't realize it was so widely used in movies and TV shows. Definitely get up to the towers if you can and make sure to go under the building to see the tunnels and wax museum. End of observation. The last observation is from user Brenna. This was found on Google reviews and Brenna left five out of five stars. The observation reads as follows. I don't think I'll ever shut up about how this place made me feel like a fairy tale character. It was incredible to view how many people lived in the past and to get a taste of what a royal would have been like. There was a film about the roots of the castle which pieced everything together and made me respect the foundation more. Long story short, don't build a castle if you don't want to go bankrupt, but turn it into a museum if you do. The whole castle took us four or five hours to view entirely, including the Celebrity Walk of Fame and the underground tunnels which lead to the stables. Lots of fascinating history. End of Occult Observations. And there you have it. Not really many weird occult observations this week, but definitely some good and some bad. Don't fret, though, because we're now heading onto the paranormal reports, which ultimately means it's about to get weird. Castle Loma has been dubbed one of Ontario's haunted locations, so it may come to a surprise to learn that there are no documented deaths reported on site. Which is interesting and, to be honest, kind of begs the question as to whether a death has to occur on site for it to later become haunted. Castle Loma may just prove that that might not be the case. Maybe it's just someone's overall presence, no matter how brief, that eternally ties them to a location. I'd like to think that's why people claim Henry is still wandering around his former home he and his family once briefly shared. Even though he wasn't there for long as he'd probably hoped, there are people who swear they have encountered Henry's spirit roaming around his former dream home. According to the Little House of Horrors website, one boy encountered Henry while visiting the mansion with his parents. Supposedly, this boy saw a man standing in one of the front windows on the second floor in which he went to mention it to a staff member who was also outside. The staff member supposedly panicked because the second floor was supposed to be closed off to the public. When the boy described the man he saw, the staff member showed him a picture of Henry, which the boy confirmed was who he saw. No one was on that second floor though, so maybe it was Henry's spirit just looking over his former property when the young boy saw him. Another former presence at Casa Loma whose spirit is said to be hanging around is Lady Mary, aka Henry's first wife. Mary, who is the first chief commissioner of the Dominion of Canada Girl Guides, died of heart failure on April 15th of 1924. And for those wondering, no, she did not die at Casa Loma. Despite this, people have allegedly witnessed a female-presenting apparition that resembles Mary wandering through the house and the gardens. Weirdly enough, a group of folks once tried to film in Mary's room, leaving a camera running there while they explored other parts of Castleoma. Loma. When they returned to check the footage, the tape was gone without a trace. What makes this so odd to me is that when Mary was alive, apparently she was known to be a bit elusive to many. This makes me wonder if maybe Mary's spirit took the tape to avoid anyone further getting a glimpse into her former life. I mean, it is on display now, but who knows? That's just an idea. Having said that, Henry and Mary seem to continue to visit Casaloma, with psychics claiming the couple's souls aren't necessarily trapped there, and that the couple seemingly bounce between their former residences, now in ghost form. I'm sure that's probably the quickest way they can get around the GTA, knowing how much traffic happens around there. This idea that they're bouncing around from different locations is interesting and makes me wonder how this can be known from both a psychic lens and from a spiritual aspect. If anyone has any theories, please let me know. Another entity that's been alleged to call Casaloma home is an entity referred to as Mr. Happy. Don't let the name fool you. Apparently, Mr. Happy has been described as quite grumpy and is often experienced in Casaloma's tunnels. Now why would people call Mr. Happy grumpy? Supposedly this entity is known to grab people in the dark and pull their hair, kind of giving off this vibe that they don't really want them down there. It's unclear who Mr. Happy could have been when they were alive, although some psychics claim he may have been a former friend of Henry's. Finally, another mysterious entity that wanders Casaloma has been dubbed the White Lady. The White Lady apparently occupies the second floor and basement areas of the main building and was once believed to be a former maid of Casaloma. However, I wasn't able to really find any information that would support this theory, so it kind of sounds like maybe this is a little bit of folklore. In comparison to other locations, there's not really a lot of detail in terms of the haunts beyond what I've kind of shared with you thus far. I will mention there have been general reports of EVPs being captured, Along with compass needles being randomly spun around and sudden chills have been reportedly felt by visitors from time to time. But having said that, does that all make Casa Loma really one of the most haunted locations in Ontario? I'll let you ponder on that while I wrap up this week's distraction. Although it may not be heart-stopping, spine-chilling, spooky level 10 paranormal activity in comparison to other locations, I still wanted to chat about Casa because it's a Canadian staple. It's been a while since I've personally visited Casa but discussing it today has given me a little bit of a travel bug to check it out again, especially after learning more about its alleged paranormal phenomena. Have you ever been to Lama? And if you've ever been, did you experience something weird? Let me know your thoughts on today's episode over on the podcast social media accounts or feel free to shoot me an email. If there's another Canadian haunted hotspot you want me to cover on a future episode, please feel free to shoot me an email or send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, anyone who you think needs a distraction about the show. Doing so is one of the best ways to support this show for free. Speaking of supporting the podcast for free, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Spotify, or whatever platform you're tuning into. When it comes to any corrections that need to be made, or perhaps some constructive feedback, please feel free to send me an email at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. Are you looking to rep some Weird Distractions merch? Please check out the link in today's show notes for the bonfire link. It's never a bad time to treat somebody you love or perhaps treat yourself. Although the Patreon page is currently on an indefinite hiatus, I just want to thank the previous patrons of the show. Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Shadow, Courtney, Cheryl, Susan, Jennifer, and Kristen. Thank you for supporting the Patreon page. I truly appreciate every single one of you. For those on social media, Weird Distractions can be found on Instagram, Twitter, threads, TikTok, and Facebook. Lastly, I'm always wanting to hear from you. I'm looking to hear about your weird paranormal encounters, maybe too close to home true crime cases, and other weird experiences that you're willing to share to be featured on a future Listener Distractions episode. No matter how short, how long, spooky, or just weird, send your tales my way to, again, the show's email address being podcasts at outlook.com. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye! <laughs>